broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. Hey, we're we're here to introduce season three, but I want to uh, give a big shout out to what you just heard, which is the one and only ruthless Ruth Bales giving the introduction to the X-Files podcast for the first time um, and not the last. That will be what you hear leading into our podcast from here on uh, as a result of her vocal stylings and her absolute death-dealing skills in um, finishing first two years in a row as one of the most proficient of X-Files OGs. So uh, thank you. A silver, to the silver-tongued assassin, you'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And boy, boy, would an English accent and a female voice do us well for sure. Yeah, it's really mis- it's a, bit, a bit of false advertising, isn't it? Isn't it a bit of false advertising, isn't it? Right? You know, <laughs> we're, as, we're coming as, off as, as all as posh, world-renowned uh, misogynist. <laughs> if you look at our iTunes reviews, mm. um, kind of funny that fourteen out of our fifteen top scores uh, came from uh, the ladies. How about that? Mm. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. I guess, yep. you know, women, they just like to get slapped around yeah. and yeah. talked down to. I think that's probably what it is. It is. It could be your, it could, it could be your bone structure. It could be that too. could be helping out with that, with that end, that, that demo, as they say, as the <laughs> marketers say, the demo. But, um, but we are thankful that Ruthless Ruth Bales is, um, is, uh, interested in, uh, in doing voiceover work and stuff like that. And what a, what an awesome thing. And, a great idea by by me, and I'm glad you're on board with it, Josh. To uh, that we were able to do this. No, actually, well, it was Josh's I... idea. <laughs> truth be told, and uh, I think it's an excellent idea. And um, and uh, I was immediately on board with this idea, and and I don't regret it at all. As you know, with the new Lost Drive-In podcast, we got Float and Floyd Fry doing the intro on that, and it's amazing and perfect. And and this one is too, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It needed to be changed and stuff, so it was time. It was time. It's time. Time for something fresh. Time for something fresh. And uh, let's let's get fresh, baby. Let's get season three fresh. What better way to start to um, something I've said a couple times in this podcast is Mm -hmm. what I feel is the the absolute long stride, just the crushing at time of the X-Files, which Mm. is season three to season five. Yes. I've always kind of held as like this is when X-Files is at its peak. It's matured. You know, it's like, uh, you know, think of a, it's like an athlete, Pedro Martinez, you know? 1999. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you might've had glimpses <laughs> earlier. You might've even had individual performances that are, are better than, mm-hmm. than certain seasons. But when you sure. think about an athlete in their prime and their overall performance and the peak of it, I think about mm. this three season run that we're entering right here. Yep. Unhittable. You'd say Martinez <laughs> Un- was hittable. unhittable. And, uh, yep. well, here we are, dude. The blessing way. What do you say, man? Coming out of the gate, we got we got two things going on here. We got some. And listen, what's the air date of this? Nineteen ninety. What? Help me five. out. Okay. Ninety five. Let me tell you a little bit about nineteen ninety five that you may or may not have forgotten, and you may be too young to even know about, which makes me sad. Um, not because you're young, but because I'm old. So here we go. Number one, there were these stores in the malls. Now, malls were these things where you could go, where there's a collection of stores, and you could buy things you didn't need. Specifically, Orange Julius's uh, overpriced band T-shirts and expensive shoes. Now, all that aside, there was also 
<laughs> there was also these little stores where you could go in and buy these little knickknacks and doohickeys. Uh, and they had various names depending on what state or which mall you were in. And you could buy things you really needed like a foot massager or perhaps a hammock made of bamboo or perhaps an uh, interesting little CD section where they had this whole section called the New Age section. And you could buy things like Enya and listen to Orinoco Flow and, uh, and Celtic Christmas and, uh, and all of this kind of horseshit, okay? <laughs> and the New Age. Wonderful. Oh, and let me tell you how many Native American drum CDs and <laughs> fucking powwows you could buy because in the 90s, we really fetishized the Native Americans. I myself went to a powwow. Yes, I had a free Leonard Peltier bumper sticker on my guitar case because I thought that was rebellious, okay? So the New Age movement really uh, really got into the Native American peoples. And I'm not going to do what a lot of weird self-hating white liberals do and pretend that uh, I have perspective as to what may or may not be uh, good or a good optic for any other people other than my own. But I will say that... Uh, there's some of this, some of this stuff, man. So goofy. So, so little <laughs> Hey, real quick though, so goof, goof. When the white, the white, the man is covered in sheet and put them on grass on head and make them yield them. I was like, yeah. I mean, it's a little goof, but listen, hey, all these I, actors got paid. They did their thing. I'm happy for them. And I'm not making a, I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm not. That's not what I do when, when it comes to this kind of shit. I'm just saying ah, it's a little goofy. But I, I still enjoy. Are you the speaking episode. to this as a member of the Navajo? As a, as a, as a card no, no, holding member of no. the Navajo Nation? I put. I took it out of my pocket. I put it aside for this. I'm talking. No. I am. I am basking in my white brilliance in this moment, Josh. Well, I'll have you know, Chris Carter attended Navajo chants and rituals to I make sure that. he was accurate in his depiction of them. I saw, I read that on IMDb, actually. <laughs> I was like, wow, go Chris. You fuck you. And they were uh, like, you're going to give, you're going to give us white man money? Done. <laughs> give hey, me that fucking paper, son. He, he admitted it was incredibly <clears throat> painful to sit cross-legged on the ground for eight hours. So Ooh. he knows the pain of an indigenous <laughs> nation who was nearly annihilated by the great white race. So who are you, Dean, Dean, (laughs) to say that Chris Carter doesn't understand the pain of the Navajo? That's right. Somewhere in South Dakota, somewhere in South Dakota, there's a bunch of dudes at Wounded Knee, but Chris Carter really gets it now because he went to a powwow and sat cross-legged for a little while and he got his little fucking, got little pins and needles in his feetsies, his fat white feetsies. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here, Chris. (laughs) You fuck. Uh, how many fucks are we up to now? Start All doing right. your quiz notes now. All right. I'm going to stop. So I'm I'll shut this. up. I'll Let me say sip. This. Let me sip. <laughs> and I, I hate to come in to season three on a down note because this episode, it's good. I like it. I do. But no, if too. you're looking at it in terms of a three-part structure, which you kind of have to, right? Between Anazazi, sure. Blessing Way, and Paperclip. This is the middle part of that. Um, and in all fairness, it's probably the weakest of the three. It is. It's, it's, it's fair to say that Blessing Way is no Empire Strikes Back. 
in the middle of the trilogy, right? Exactly what I thought. Here is what it is, though. Outstanding Scully stuff, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, yes, yes. A lot of a lot of Scully stuff. It's it's only the kind of goofiness. It's really, I mean, it's really capturing the the international imports. Like dream catchers are half off, and here's a a panther poster that you can see in a black light. Like it's it's that part of the '90s where I half expected to hear Enya chanting something. Is that uh, Mister Pitter Patter? It could be. I know it was a Black Panther. Although he could be a Black Panther. Oh. We never specified. Did we? Yeah. No. Oh, man. I think he's no, a Bengal tiger. A Bengal fucking tiger. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we were forced um, to beat them to death with our own shoes. Sorry. Oh, Shout out to Wayne's World. Um, all right. So also 1995. Holy shit. That was, did you even mean to do that? Or are you just like a, like the lawnmower man? You're just like a fucking genius. Oh, another 90s reference. <laughs> it's good thing you guys aren't. It's good thing you guys aren't drinking on those. <laughs> Can't. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna be hammered in the chat if you're drinking on '90s yeah. references. Woo. Hey, Lawnmower um, Man was 1995. As was this episode. 95. Man. Yeah. I didn't know it was that mm-hmm. spot on, but that's good. Well. Um. But yeah, man, this is a good app. This is a good app. It is. It's, a, it's yep. a good intro. Um. To season three, I think there's a lot of good things we have to say about it. Uh, I think it's very fair to come right in and kind of lean on what you're talking about because the whole dreamscape kind of thing is, uh, oh boy, it's right, it's right yeah. there. We, it's it's a little goofy. It's not like I said. I'm not going to moralize about about the depiction of these people. I don't I don't care about that. It's nothing to do with me. The actors did it. They did it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Who am I to say? I'm just talking about it from a story standpoint. Um, it is. It, it is. There's a couple of awesome moments and shit, you know, when they hand it, when he has the sunflower seeds, I'm like, that's fucking cool, man. And, and them denying the feds, he's like, he's not here. Like, they're like, you know, stuff like that. But I'm kind of getting off the beaten path. My point is, is it, 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 we should not, we should not uh, chop off our nose spider face, right? Cause Scully crushes. Is that the right, is that the right? That yeah. The right I word? think, okay. I right. think you're good with that. Yeah. Scully, this is in, in the wrap up of season two in Azazi. We talked about how, she wasn't, you know, Jillian in, in terms of writing was, wasn't given a ton to work with, but performed really well. Sure. And here they really give her a lot more to, to do and no question to run with. And that will really lead into paperclip, which I fucking can't wait to get into. Um, sure. Boy, when I watched this one, I remembered more and more about what comes in paperclip because I, I think I blurred a lot of this whole three-parter into kind of one memory of like, yeah, this arc, this these things that happened. And having watched the first, you know, watched Anazazi and watched Blessing Way, I remember how much comes down to paperclip. So, mm. you know, not to, not to cut away from what we're dealing with right now, but I'm really psyched for our next one. <laughs> yeah. Paperclip is next, you're saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember if that was the next one, but I do remember that being really good. Yeah. So, but I mean, before we just jump right into it, I mean, there's a lot to like in this, and we've, we've talked about For the goodness sure. of, of the Navajo, but I want to ask you, what do you think about, because I think when you're talking about that, you're talking about a lot of the imagery they use. Sure, but, yeah. It's just a little, um, I, I feel like, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like it just doesn't, it just doesn't age particularly well. Like it might've seemed cool at the time. It's one of those probably seemed cool at the time, but I mean, just feels a little, um, maybe a little over self-indulgent, maybe a little aged. 
do you do you feel the same way about the voiceover stuff from um from uh, Albert Hostein here, Mister uh, mm. Mister Floyd Red Crow Westerman himself? Uh, no, because I think it matters to the episode more so than the imagery matters to the episode, which is funny to say in a visual medium. Um, it's not, you know, it's not amazing, but I think what, I think his voiceover kind of matters. Okay. It's a little, uh, overly sort of poetic, but it, it, it makes sense based on the voiceover we got in the first episode of this trilogy. Yep. And there's a lot more of it though here. I mean, this is, <clears throat> I think from, I mean, just kind of thinking off the top of yeah, my head. Yeah, you're just saying words to word to word. Absolutely. There's more. This is the most voiceover we get. Um, I, certainly outside anything Mulder and Scully have to give, like as far as the third party character, this is sure. the most voiceover we ever hear until probably uh, Confessions of a Cigarette Smoking Man. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, I, yeah. And I definitely dig it. I definitely dig him and I dig more than the imagery. I dig the story of what's going on with them. Right. Right. Like what, what's happening around um, with Mulder, with, with these Navajo guys living out on this reservation, um, recovering Mulder and, and trying to bring him back. Like that shit is cool. And I think it's easy to kind of like get a little eye rolly about <laughs> the fucking, you know, the, the Oak, the Oak leaves shipping sure, him off into sure. the, into the wobbly yonder. Right. The, the star world. Um, there, but there I, is a, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But I, but I dig like what's actually going on with it. Yes. Yes. I think it comes down to execution and idea. I, I, this is something I'm fond of talking about when it, as it relates to, especially new star Wars material as execution versus idea. Like I like the idea of it for sure. Um, and even points of it, I do. I just, I didn't find it particularly awesome from an execution standpoint outside of just some of the talking. <clears throat> like when he finally recovers, when we're done with the floaty space shit, you know, when, when they get down to brass tacks, so to speak, I like it. I like when he's talking to the man and he's saying, look, you know, the floating molder head, I'm you like, come on, dude. Like that feels like a product of mid nineties kind of, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of try this out. The, when it's more grounded and he's in the, in the, um, shelter and he's talking and they give him the sunflower seeds. I like that a lot more. Yep. Yeah, that 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 moment is definitely my favorite. Um, it's probably my favorite. Mold. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of Mulder moments to point to in this episode. Um, <laughs> but that that's true. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Him coming to and and cracking that joke, but not just cracking the joke, but in the context of this, like it's a you know this kind of sacred thing. But they're still like they're still regular people, and they laugh sure. when he makes the joke. I, I love that part. I fucking love that. I love that part. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Very It's cool. funny. And that, you know, that, that's the reminder. And like, I was thinking about like the comedic angle from that point. Cause like there's this, there's this reverence for, for, uh, that part of the culture, the spiritual part of the culture. And I'm just like, they're all wearing jeans and he's <laughs> like, yeah, I got this shirt at target for 20% off. You know, <laughs> like this guy doing regular shit, like, fuck, I can't park. I got to park way out here. Fuck. You know, like <laughs> I just, I started to think of all the regular ass situations. This cool spiritual leader finds himself in a daily fucking thing. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to open target red card. No, <laughs> like, fuck. It's just like, it's funny. Cause it's modern, but like, 
you know, it, it just, it just made me laugh because they're all got their, their flannels tucked yeah. into their jeans and shit, but which, which it, is, it kind, is kind of the inverse of like some of the other shit they do here where it's like, right, let's pretend right. we're back in this, you know, sacred, uh, almost right. like mythological situation of like the Navajo sure to like a sure. very realistic, like, all right, Navajo now live on these reservations and have to like deal with modern life and yet also trying to incorporate some of their traditions into it. And those moments are my favorite parts of like, right. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you cued in on that. Cause I did too. When they all laughed, I went, this is awesome. Yeah. Cause they're not like, because they're people, man. And they're not like, Oh, you have dishonored the sacred tradition. Now your laughter will cause the three eyed dog to enter your <laughs> belly and eat your intestines. You know, it's like, Come on, dude. Yeah. They're like, this is funny. It's fucking funny. We're people. Yeah. It's like, that was just such a real part to me. Very real. Yep. And not to, um, we, we're getting, we're getting some, uh, backbite in the chat about not giving enough love to, uh, shirtless, sweaty Mulder. Ooh. Okay. Fair enough. Believe me. I respect it. That's, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, if I had, if I had three <laughs> early like man crushes in terms of celebrities, Fox Mulder. Nice. Fox Mulder is one of them. So that's a that's a good one, dude. Along that's with a good uh, one. along with early nineties Christian Slater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wore trench coat for two reasons. One of them I want to be an FBI agent. The other one I want to be a pirate TJ. So <laughs> neither have come full circle. But got my blackjack gum here. <laughs> <laughs> I do respect that both of them. Like you know, I'm not a big beefy guy, Dean. You know, I'm kind of lean. You know it. T- and I'm saying that in a, the most flattering way possible. By that, I mean I'm not like a bulky, muscly guy. Um, I respect that. Like a guy like uh, David Duchovny can kind of pull off being super sexy, not being, not being, mm. you know, too jacked. Because I would argue you're probably more athletic than him, though. Like you're probably hey, how tall do you think he is? Oh, Duchovny's a big boy. He's like six. Is he really six three? I think. Yeah. No. What? Uh, Holy shit! I didn't I realize he was so tall. Two. I know he likes basketball, so maybe that has something to do with his height. No, no, the other way around. You know what I'm trying to say? Tall guys get into basketball, right? Yeah. If they fucking are worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, real quick. Let me let me Google David Duchovny height and see what horrific web portal I get spun <laughs> down. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I can get it for you. He's he's there. They have him at six feet. Oh, I thought he was a little taller than that. But all right. Mm. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, he's six foot even. So he and I are basically the same. I guess is what yeah. we're, what we're saying. My brother, I just found out I'm taller than Jake, and Jake's six feet. That makes me six one. You're taller than me, motherfucker. I don't. I didn't think so. You but think Jake and I went? Jake and I went butt to butt. You think you're better than me? No, not at all. I'm just kidding. I um, but you know what's weird? My reach is longer than my height by like almost a full inch. Isn't that weird? Oh, that's some good. That's some. That's some good old monkey shit. That's some. That is. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's some that's some old fashioned Neanderthal shit. I should have done more boxing. Yeah, Get but that, um, yeah, that's that cool. Reach. But uh, yeah, he's uh, I know what you're saying though. In other words, what you're saying is he is sort of post '80s guy, right? He's yeah, post '80s yeah, attractive. This is the this is the time of that though, right? But without without doing the the modern thing, which is like let's make super. Like super unmasculine guys, sexy. Yeah, like yeah. You're definitely straight, though. I think. <laughs> I think you're a straight, man. I'm pretty sure. He's still, I mean, he's still a he's still a man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> keep, keep going. going. Yeah, Trust Trust suck him off a little bit. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm like just a little bit around the rim. Well, this was the, the see, but this kind of became the thing. 
you know, the, 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 the Tom Cruises and the, you know, that they weren't, it was post Arnold post eighties, big boys, beefy, beefy men were kind of going by the wayside as we got into more like leaner dudes. That was a thing. Yeah. Let's, let's dedicate a large section of the episode. Want to go, want to go a little deeper. You want to go a little deeper. (laughs) Um, probably the most bodied up could have been, could have been, um, my boy, Brandon Lee before he took a slug. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 coming out yeah, that of like ass. the JCVD like transition <clears throat> of like correct. So he was the perfect blend. Yeah. If I'm just saying, yeah. if you got to pick a body, <laughs> if you want to maintain functionality and fitness and athleticism without being held down by a lot of weight, go ahead and Google Brandon Lee without his shirt on. That's the one. Ooh. But Mulder is definitely like a smart as sexy kind of kind of thing. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So let me spin this into something very different. Which is um, something I think is very, Not the very glistening critical. sweat on the, the <laughs> bare chested molder. You don't want to keep going down that one. You don't I'm, think that's going to. I'm getting a little overly heated. I've already taken <laughs> off one layer. I don't have much to lose. There but um, the, the interaction between, and, and something we haven't mentioned, is one Mitch Pelegi and Skinner in Dude, this episode. Because, let me tell you about that, man. Whew, boy, we get a lot of Skinner in this one. Uh, Skinner has a, um, while we're admiring men, does it for me? Oh boy, does it? Does it for me? Yep. There's a there's a uh, there's a masculine energy about him that I appreciate. Man, I just I want him to uh, take me out in the backyard and show me like how to make a treehouse or or something like that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you need a dad though. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. You know? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> jumped. You want him to share his comic collection with you too? Do you think he has one? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. What I'm underneath, trying to get at. Dude. Underneath his K-Bar collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> underneath his Vietnamese scalps. <laughs> his ear necklace. Just <laughs> move the ear necklace to young Josh and you'll find <laughs> Spider-Man number 132. It's a great yeah. episode with a hey, green goblin. Skinner does not have a comic collection, bud. No, no fucking way on no earth. fucking way. Um, but this the the interaction between and the performances of Scully and Skinner are one hundred percent critical to this episode. And something we haven't talked a lot about, like we've we've talked like anytime Skinner's come up, obviously we talk about him. You you and I both love him as a character. We love Mitch Plegi as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big part of the show. But uh, and something pointed out by BP to me is this is the first time Plaggy got a also starring on the credits. Oh, weird. Um, and deservedly so. Like, I mean, he's a big part of this fucking episode. Oh, okay. So that's a positive thing. See, I'm so dumb. I didn't know. That's, yeah. So that's a good thing instead of just being listed in the cast. Right, right, right. Like starring, okay. you know, Gillian <laughs> Anderson, David Duchovny, and then whatever else. It, it was also starring Mitch Pelagi. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So boosted him up to like a key, key part of it, um, which, which he definitely, I mean, he's more part of this episode than Duchovny is. For sure, right? Yeah. For, yeah, absolutely. Man, can I can I can I randomly kind of tangentially do something right here because it's related to what you just said even though it might come off a pelagia a hair? Yeah. And it's this. What a weird what a what a ballsy decision to be like we're going to start episode 3 with the with the dude just laid the fuck up convalescent with the Navajo. Yeah, and not like bring it like, back for like Yeah, like we're resting minutes. We're exactly, we're resting it on Jillian Anderson. 
that says a lot about Gillian Anderson as a as a performer, right? Yep. Like, I mean, here you go, season three premiere, watched by a gazillion people. Carry this shit. I hope you fucking. I hope your back is strong. Hey, you know, nineteen point four million people. Yeah, that's bonkers. Fucking crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Back in ninety five, that's gotta yeah, be that- like over ten percent of the adult population in the, at the time were sitting in front of their TVs when this came on. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's wild. But you're right. Wild. And I mean, props to Jillian Anderson, one hundred percent. But also props to just you know to to Chris Carter to recognize that you know right. she's. She has the ability to carry the show and like props to, to Fox for who, who were, I, I fuck, I hate to give props to Fox, but to at least take enough of, of a backseat to realize like this show can run off, off either of these leads because mm-hmm. Chris Carter had to battle a lot early on to get Jillian the role and to, to give her more meat in the episodes. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not giving props to anybody else. She earned it. But it's just cool. It's cool to see that, like, this is back in the era of, you know, it's so easy to look at TV now. And, you know, when Netflix and and HBO and Amazon Prime are pumping out, like, TV shows with, like, $10 million of fucking episode budgets, it's just wild to me. Like, mental. This is back in the day where, like, there's only a handful of shows that get big budget kind of stuff and and go for that appeal. And here you have one of them, like, X Files, like, X Files and season three had earned its stripes and it was a national thing. Like this was a big deal um, coming. You couldn't get anything like it, dude. It people, people were watching like friends <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Roseanne and like ER and shit. You it, know, it wasn't, it yeah. was, a, it was, it was, it, it owned, you know, the, the, the classic marketing adage is basically if you can't be the first into a market, make your own market. And they kind of did. Right. Yep. And then you say, like like you said, you say, hey, take your male lead, sit the fuck down, shut up, you're in a coma. Sure, sure. And you know, you you probably got some crossover with Buffy because Buffy was huge, wildly successful, very good. You probably got crossover there. But yeah, man, you're you're right. It's like the Fox guys must have been like, wait a minute, we got to put the dame in this one. Hold on a second. Pass me the fucking ashtray. Jesus Christ, what are we going to do here? And she, she's such an unconventional at the time leading yeah, woman. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's fucking perfect. Right. But, but we know how people sell shit. The guy, wait a minute, how big are her boobs over here? She doesn't even show her fucking legs. What are you talking about? What do you mean? What are you trying to say? You're going to pitch this to me. What am I? Some kind of jerk off. I don't know why he's like this in my head, but he is creepy <laughs> Fox exec. I guess that's, that's my creepy Fox exec guy. We're just going to go with that. It's not even the Fox fairy. It's the Fox demon. Yeah. Is that a goddamn pantsuit? What the fuck are you trying to sell over here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not just, I mean, she crushes it, but it's, it's yeah, what they, the, the relationship between her and Skinner in this and the back and forth. And <clears throat> a lot of times when we talk about Skinner, I, I think we always have the Skinner in our <laughs> mind of what he becomes when he's the ally. Um, ah yes and it's it's cool to get back to the times when he wasn't necessarily that straightforward and they they and we the audience didn't outright trust him um and when you're getting to points where scully is straight up drawing her not even service weapon her personal weapon on the back of his head and telling him if he makes a goddamn move he will kill him or she will kill him yes and you know what Mulder's unhinged and he says things sometimes and he doesn't mean them. Guess who doesn't do that? 
Dana Scully. Yep. If Dana Scully has a gun to the back of your head and she says she's going to kill you, I can assure you she has thought about it for a long time. Like most ladies, she's thought about this for a long time. And as she's taking the action, I can assure you she's making you a promise. Yep. And and just building off that, the fact that we've seen Mulder get crushed by the the bureaucracy of the FBI. And, you know, mm. honestly, usually, he somewhat deservedly so. Absolutely. <laughs> But here you have Scully, you know, just such a professional who's been caught up in this whole thing, who's being asked, like, turn in your badge and your gun. You're suspended without pay indefinitely. Right. And, like, things do not look good for you. Right. And yeah, I love that scene with her and him. I love, I love him chilling on the sidelines. And he, you never get the impression he's really towing the company line, but you also know that he has a spot in his heart for these two. And, and man, you can tell. When he lays down on the, and we expect full, like after these guys lay into her and then he's like, and we expect full cooperation. It's like, oh, you fuck. Like he's twisting the knife. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it, it was like, man, Skinner, Skinner's, <laughs> Skinner's roughhousing a little bit. <laughs> he's knocking her around the waves. Yeah. It's cool, man. But yeah, I like, I like that. And, uh, it, it's, you know, she gets, she gets in a little bit too deep and, uh, and you know, their, their meetup after she is kind of like, give me the weapon, beat feet. She's pissed off, rightfully so. We know the CSM is pissed off. He's got his whole, this is our first introduction of the syndicate. They're like, what the, what about the tape, right? That's the whole premise of this episode. Mulder's fucked up. He's, he's out on the lamb. And we got Scully trying to figure shit out, thinking he's dead. And there's this cassette tape that the syndicate is after. And she's battling the bureaucracy, much like Mulder has to do. And uh, and that leads her to getting sort of booted, surrender your weapon, that whole shtick. And then the meeting she has with a scolder, with, with, with a scolder, Jesus Christ. The meeting <laughs> she has, what's his name? Uh, Pelegi, with Skinner. After the fact, when she goes back there, I just love, I love that he says, because she's talking about, oh, maybe you are overestimating the power of your position. She drops that shit on him. Ooh. Man, goes right for the cock. <laughs> I love it. Fucking vicious. Rip. Right? Rip. Take a rip on him. You know what? Overestimate his position in the chain of command. Like a fucking, like a a bird of prey, but not (laughs) with toes hanging over the sandals. (laughs) With nicely cute little toes lined up flush, like a nice baseboard cut on a corner wall. (laughs) Right? How's that, right? For all you construction worker ladies out there. But, (laughs) man, there's a lot. I love there's a lot to I like in the relationships we see her with. <clears throat> and yes. I think her and Skinner is definitely prominent, but we, we have to talk a little bit about, and I don't think this is an episode that's really conducive to going scene by scene. We just want to talk no, about. No. We've kind of already fucking yeah. abandoned that just by or organically. Yeah. Uh, so in addition to the scenes she has with Skinner and we'll come back to where we get to at the end, but also her family coming into this, right? Um, uh-huh. yes, cause family sure. on both ends, both, both the molders, right. And the Scully's here are going to be pretty critical. And we see her in her strength. And then we see her in, in a moment of, you know, weakness, understandably. And when she goes to her, to mommy, to her mom. And when she says, dad would be so ashamed of me. Oof, boy, come on, Starbuck. Starbuck and and, you know the way she delivers it and to it's not just to to a watcher of the X-Files that's not just a a line into the darkness you know who you know Big Billy fucking Scully is you know 
uh, yep. captain. Was he a captain? I think probably. Yeah, I think he was a captain. Um, you know that means a lot, man. That that hurts. We know we know the the past, like the pain of their relationship, the fact that he didn't want her to join the FBI and sure wanted her to become a doctor and this and that and uh, and the closure she gets in beyond the sea. Is it? Yeah, beyond the sea. The fa- that that whole thing that she went through. And then to feel that way in this moment when she thinks she's already lost her partner, who's become super important to her, and then she's come to her mom and like with that kind of shit, and you're like, God damn. And then her hippy dippy sister steps in mm. <laughs> and gets her to go to a goddamn hypnotherapist. Yeah. And she does it. Yeah. Is that is that super realistic. Right. Super realistic. But is it it's, you your, think your it's power- a moment of weakness or openness no. on her part? I think it's a moment of family dynamics. We, our family has a tremendous influence on us, even when we don't want to admit that they do. And despite Scully's reservations about the hypnotherapist, I think her reaction to her sister, which she's a bit bombastic, if, I'm, if I recall, she still fucking goes. That's family, dude. That is super realistic to me. And maybe not weakness, maybe, maybe um, I guess you could say it that way, but I think it's just a... A, a, a your family has an inf- influences you sometimes in in ways that may not seem obvious in the moment, and when they tell you shit, a lot of times that shit will play out. In in this, it's a TV show; it's forty minutes. It plays out quite literally, where she goes and does the thing, and um, and I think that's super realistic. That's I like the way you said that. That's yeah, very spot on. I think vulnerability, Carmelita, is in this says in the chat. That's the that's the succinct word. Yes, and and when you're vulnerable. And you're you're getting answers from your family that you trust and love with your life. Hopefully, yep. if you're if you're fortunate enough, then then that's what happens. You know, you you are like, all right, but I'll I, fucking do the thing because they're looking out for me. But I like what we get from Scully when she actually goes there. Where oh man, what's up with the guy touching her? Yeah, <laughs> I, look, I'm not one of these like oh I yeah I'm not like one of these oh I bumped into you and now I'm you know now I'm some sort of sexual predator. <laughs> But like, you, why are you reaching across and putting your hands on somebody whose eyes are closed? You fucking weirdo! Don't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? I think you they teach that creep? in hypnotherapist school. You dead-eyed so. fucking monster! Get out of here! <laughs> there before, were before I give you a goddamn Billy Club shampoo. You hey, freak. while you're while you're half in a trance, I'm just gonna grab your hands and he lean, sucks. Lean aggressively close to your face. How about I break the gun off the end of your nose? Blood squirts everywhere. Nobody else says fucking shit. <laughs> Reservoir darks. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, look, dude, that was, yes, correct. And that's probably not exactly what, what Melissa, is it, had in mind. Yeah, Missy. I don't know. Yeah, Missy. And I was just like, eh, that guy sucks. Uh, perhaps don't put your hands on anybody. Right. And it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we joke about it, but I think what they're trying to convey, and it might have been a little ungainly because of how he acts, but is that she went there, I think, with a relatively open mind because of what you're saying, like the sure the being open because she's kind of stripped a little bit bare and she has that vulnerability to people that she's close to. Right. But there's still enough of Dana Scully that you push too hard on something that's not in her wheelhouse of belief and she's going to, she's going to pull back. And I I think that was what that was supposed to convey. I love it. And And Dana Scully is a great role model, man or woman, doesn't matter because she's assertive and she has boundaries and she carries herself with class. mm. And in, 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 because of this, you, 
and she and she's respectful of her family and she goes and then there's the moment where this happened and i'm not saying it was the touch that threw her off it was the whole process yep. i don't think the the show is trying to say he touched her hand and that freaked her out no she's dana scully she can handle a hand touch i think it was just a sort of a physical representation to snap her out of that half trance which she wasn't really buying. You could tell by the like consternation on her face. And then she was like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm done. This is my boundary limitation. Yeah. Yeah. And she bounced. Yeah. Oh, six daddy was captain in the Navy. Yeah. Oh, six. That's the, the very confusing thing. Uh, if mm. you're like, if you're a, not even a layman, but just when you hear captain, like captain in the Navy is a huge fucking deal. Sure. Like that is a, you know, you are right below Admiral rank captain in like the army and the Marines is an Oh three. Like you're, I, I was a fucking captain. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like you're not mm. special. You're, you're, that is like a couple promotions. Like you, you didn't get fired or killed. You're, you're still here. Okay. You're a captain now. Like captain of the Navy is like, here's your years. fucking aircraft carrier, sir. <laughs> so here's, her, here's your nuclear fucking submarine. Here's your boomer. Go ahead and erase a country if you want to. Yeah. It's a fucking big deal. Um, yeah. yeah. So her, her dad was, was a uh, big shit, big shit. And that's why, and, and by big shit, yes, literally in the military, but also just in, in her life, like him as a personality and, and an influence on her was massive. And uh, the, I think the show writers do a pretty good job of, of, of letting us see that through this. But so we, we've talked a, a little bit about um, some of these key kind of relationship beats with her, um, but we haven't talked enough about her um, actual like pursuit of the case, right? Sure. The, the, the actual work. Yes. Um, and there's some cool shit here. There's a great, I love the Frohickey moment. Yep. I really do, man. I love the, the Frohickey crush on Scully can be handled like pure comic relief slash creepy, but it's really very sweet. And, 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 you know, there's, there's an honesty to it and it's Frohickey more than he has this playful crush on Scully. Frohickey fucking loves Mulder. Right. I think more than he ever loves Scully. Like Scully is this playful crush thing. But when Frohickey shows up at the loss of Mulder, it's like, I'm going to do anything in my power. You know, you're taking over for him, right? Like that whole interaction, like I'm going to, I need to put my faith that I had in Mulder into somebody else. Um, is, is a really cool moment. And it, it, you know, it's, it's enjoyable as, as a fan of like, Oh, the lone gunman, like Frohickey's back. Um, that whole thing. But it also leads to this really cool revelation that Scully has this kind of sort of smoking gun. If she can put the pieces together of the thinker, right. Which is like, Oh wait, now you, now you have to like kind of put the pieces back together. The thinker was that hacker who got Mulder the tape in the first place back in Anazazi previously Um, on was helpful for this. Right. And he was killed after Mulder disappeared. So that's what Frohickey has this newspaper article where the thinker got killed after Mulder disappeared. Yep. And Scully suspects it's by the same gunman who killed Mulder's father. And if they can connect those dots, then Mulder is off the hook for the murder of his father and possibly kind of pulling out some threads of, of, of the big government machine that's weighing down on them. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's going to go see our man with this. Right. And we, we kind of mentioned this before. You kind of alluded right. to this when we were on our Skinner talk. Uh, one more point about the Frohickey thing. 
dealing with Prohickey, dealing with Skinner, dealing with her mom, dealing with her sister, dealing with the therapist, dealing with the well-manicured man. These, the thing I love about all of these things that they do for her in this episode is we see very different facets of her skill set in her personality, right? Mm-hmm. You, you get to see her interacting with these people in very different ways. Not, not, not saying that she is somebody different, but she, they, they're different relationships. Some are non-relationships and she has a different way to handle each one of these. And I just, it's just good acting and it's very subtle. When you watch it again, you see subtle cues like, oh, I'm dealing with this person. Oh, Frohick is upset. I'm clearly upset about Mulder. I'm Scully for Christ's sakes. I love the guy. And now I'm going to actually help this guy, you know, and he's going to help me. You know, it, it, I just like that. I like seeing they give her a lot of different interactions, lots of different dialogues. That's a challenge for an actor. You're saying, you have a scene with this guy, with this guy, with this lady, with this lady, with this guy, and with this guy. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. You're looking at the sheet going, Jesus, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's and she's so good, man. She has such a handle by season three, especially. Such a handle as to who she is, as, as to who Dana Scully is and how she needs to be played. And it's just, like you said, we're getting into 1999 Pedro. I know that's a really obscure reference if you're not a Red Sox fan. Um <laughs> You're just getting into Hall of Fame beginnings, right? Yeah, yeah. Now um, you're you're right there, and <clears throat> we've we've mentioned this before. But when you're talking about a, a production of this, you know, back in the day, of you have to think about it in terms of doing 23 or 24 episodes a season, and how crazy that is. And when you're watching when you're watching one episode, knowing that at best you have two weeks to put that entire thing <laughs> together from beginning sure. to end. Two sure. weeks, two weeks, man. That's fucking wild and really on average it's it's less than that because you know you have usually have two or three months like in between so they could compress down to these like 10 day i think on average cycles right 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 and you look at an episode like this and like you're right like look at it on scene like okay key up key um key scene between scully and skinner between scully and her mom between scully and her sister yep. between scully and her ther- therapist scully and frohickey you know like god damn man <laughs> like that's a it's lot wild. it's a it's lot wild. you do multiple of those in every day of shooting like, holy yeah, and shit it's not listen man it's not these aren't just regular we're investigating this weird cattle mutilation scene these are heavy scenes um so yeah it's pretty awesome man yeah. She's awesome. She's in t- she's she's fantastic. She's fantastic. She's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Everybody knows this. Um <clears throat> so uh I want to get back Skinner gets, to Skinner gets her back, right? I like that. Can I can we just lean in on that for a minute? <laughs> what is it? Skinner kind of gets her back when she's like, Well, I thought with this we could prove and help uh, find the man who did this. You've been relieved of your investigative function. Oh, oh, oh I know, sir. Yeah. I just <laughs> thought it might be helpful, right? Yeah. And he's like, Do you not think that Trenton PD is connected to us when it comes to this type of thing with ballistic database, drug fire, all this shit. If it would match, we would have already known. Like, what do you think? We're all idiots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe you, uh, Miss Scully, I think you underestimate the duties and responsibilities. I mean, that is awesome. Yep. That's him saying, you kind of hurt my feelings a little, and I'm letting you know. But it, but it, it's, it's delivered in a way that's, it could, I think it's supposed to be ambiguous to the audience of either like we got this or I'm like, you know, butt off. Like, I don't want you, but you know, I don't want you getting involved. Like Skinner is still supposed to be, it's so hard to look at him 100%. And, and think of him adversarially, but he kind of still is like in terms of the audience view, he's this 
you know, he has helped them out at times, but he's also, he's 100% tied in with cigarette smoking, man. He's part of, he's part of the big machine. So when you have a scene like that, you're like, man, are you, are you just saying like, we got it? Or are you saying, right. get the fuck out of here? Yeah. Like we got it. You know? Between the lines. He, he's, he's airtight. Yes. Skinner's always been airtight. Cause and, what we always forget is that he's got this fucking goddamn Grim Reaper looming over his neck. Yep. So he has to be careful to what he says and hope in, in hope that his two agents can pick up on the subtext. Yep. And I think this is a good time to bring up before we come back to where that we'll get to at the end of the episode, um, which is <laughs> with guns drawn, um, the introduction <laughs> of the syndicate. We've seen Cigarette Smoking Man before. But um, we get the full syndicate, well, most of them introduced, and particularly who we'll see the most of here um, and in the future is the, as he is called, the well-manicured man. Yes. Man, it's just crazy that he doesn't have a British accent because this guy is British as fuck. He kicks ass, dude. This guy. John Neville. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this interaction with her, man. Yeah. But before we get there, Syndicate, I I had kind of forgotten about them. But this guy really was good. He he's a he's a thespian. This one, right? <laughs> His IMD photo is like with a giant pirate hat and like a like a very stage picture. <laughs> oh no shit! What's his name? Neville. Ne- John Neville. Uh, passed away in 2011. Rest in peace. At mm. at 86, the ripe old age. Um, yeah, he. That's a uh, uh, Baron Munchausen, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy was. That uh, he had a few few distinguished things, but yeah, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Terry. That's his Gilliam uh, gig. But. Yeah, he he got some Fifth Element money. He was in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's done a million things. Holy shit! Yeah, but uh, that that British like British bad guy kind of British film aesthetic. actor. Like he just waltzes onto your set, yeah. and everyone's like, "Oh fuck, what the fuck do we do?" But it's very We're just cool sitting to here take with like yeah the idea of the syndicate right from from a okay like the government there's bad guys in the government slash the government is evil like whatever you want to have pulled from the first couple seasons of X Files sure. like the government's certainly doing some bad shit but then this idea of the syndicate where it's like wait you guys aren't even like you're not even part of the government or wait governments <laughs> like. This is beyond governments. Like this is more than that. Like what the fuck is going on here? Sure. That is, uh, it's taking it to a different level. Um, and this is still, we've always talked about how in general we prefer monster of the week and how mythology becomes very convoluted. But I think mythology is still very much building in a strong way at this point. And it's still a hundred percent. The stuff they're adding to it is, is literally adding. It's it's adding value. It's adding interest. It's adding cool new elements to it. So when they introduce the syndicate, this is something that's like, whoa, what is going on? Who who are these people? Like, who are they affiliated? Like, who who do they represent? Like, what do you mean? Like, it's it's fo- forty years. Like, who who is we? Like, what the fuck is we? It's compelling drama. That's why it works so well at this point. Uh, it's compelling drama. Yeah, and in its you're starting to get faces of boogeymen that we always sort of knew lurked in the shadows of the conspiratorial elements of the show. And that's something I've always liked about it. And I like this stuff, man. I, it, I like it when it keeps it on point. It keeps her investigation fresh. 
Each scene is compelling as she moves the investigation. And I'm talking outside of her acting prowess, just her moving through the investigation, having to make decisions, dealing with this guy who literally says to her, I don't care if you live or die. This is the subtext. Mm. I don't care if you live or die. I don't want the exposure to my group. That's menacing. And he tells you how they're going to kill you. That's power. And the power is so creepy. And then, and that, and now it's got her thinking, oh my God. And, 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 and I'm vulnerable and I think my partner's dead or maybe he isn't. And, and I don't trust Skinner. And I got to pull a gun on him. This is very compelling television, this type of stuff. You know, and here's what's done well is there's, when you're talking about X-Files, it's a lot of, you know, what do you do in the shadows? So when sure. you reveal a character like X, X has power because you don't know a goddamn thing about what he's involved with, who he is, what he represents. Um, and there's obviously a lot of that with the syndicate. But with X, you literally only see him in his interactions with Mulder um, and to a lesser extent with other characters. I think he interacts with Scully a couple times. But basically, he's this... Like, okay, you are running in other circles, but we see you as this informant to Mulder. Sure. But before we see the well-manicured man in that great scene at the funeral, interact that, that she's so unsettled by it. God, she's so good. Yeah. But before I mean, we she, see she, that, we see him. They show us like in this almost mm -hmm. like the audience gets this gift look into this other thing that is well <laughs> beyond anything. Yeah. Mulder and Scully ever see and they don't do a ton of that in the X-Files like up till now like a lot of what you see is what Mulder and Scully see like we we get what they see or what they're about to see like even if it's not immediately it's what they're going to figure out in, the, in that episode but here we get a look at something that's like way beyond their purview um, and they Indeed. do that before they introduce him to give him I think gravitas right affirmative and Affirmative, yeah, and 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 he he probably didn't even need it, but it helped, yeah. and that's where the that's where the I'm a film actor, and I'm one of these British trained gentlemen, and I have stage presence. I I'm part of that Charles Dance sort of thing, where just my appearance here is not going to be comfortable for you, um, and I like that, and and we really see it affect her, and it just it lends weight to the interest and the intrigue of the actual conspiracy part of the arc uh, versus making it sort of goofy and convoluted. It's not. It's very straightforward. And then that's what I like about it. We don't get so deep in the woods with, with nonsense. We, we're relating it all back to what has been presented to us thus far. And, uh, and, the, only, and the only exception to that, and in a good way, because it's a plot hook for future through lines, is the chip in her neck. The chip of the neck. Yeah, this is huge. It is. The, the, the only thing, and this is really just a plot, a, a plot bugaboo, is clearly she's been through a metal detector before. And I know they make the point of saying, oh, why are you coming in this way to sort of make it seem like she never has to go through it? But she's been through, she's been on an airplane. So, I mean, maybe the FBI one's better. Maybe it was activated. I don't know, actually, because I don't remember how this pans out. So I was just like, ah, I mean, whatever. You kind of look past that kind of bullshit. The, they make like a few comments like, oh, this thing is so, the security guards like, oh, this thing's so finicky. It picks up like this and that, whatever. And, oh, okay. So maybe it does, maybe it doesn't type of thing. But yeah, it's it's sort of a plot device, but it's but it's all to key in on this this implant, right? Dude, and when you pull it and it's got a uh, like coating on it, Ooh. how creepy is that? 
I, I like the idea of, well, like you could have got injured on the job. And when he's like buckshot, I'm like buckshot, no fucking way. But holy shit, man, that's awesome. That's immediately intriguing. Like you're being cataloged. Yeah, you're being cataloged. And that <clears throat> that element, the the conspiracy high level shit that that comes that kind of kind of sneaks its way in into this episode indeed um, is is awesome That's a good way to say it yeah and i think that the high point is definitely the the interaction between the well manicured man and scully at the funeral but the stuff around it sure. the set dressing is is the syndicate interaction it's the stuff with the the implant um but i think the the meat of it like in terms of what what's noteworthy to talk about is that interaction between the two of them and when he's when he describes like you said like here's how they're going to come at you to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, uh, uh, you know, Diane, uh, Walker, not in our, uh, in the Facebook group said it in her, in her, um, her comment. And when Scully says threatened enough to murder. Oh, oh my. Yes. The well-manicured man, how he says it like dismissively. Ah, oh, so good. Oh, oh my. Yes. Like, right. He, like, I mean, he's so, are you, dude, are you he's, kidding me? Yeah. Like he's so deep in that world that that question is quite alarming to him. Shocking, even. Of <laughs> like, course. Like, you would question that? Like, that's your question? Right, right. right. <laughs> it's insane, man. It's insane. And and how they, you know, that raises the hair on your neck for... Ev- when, when he describes how she would be killed, like, how they would come at her, for the rest of the episode, you're like, every conversation she has with somebody she knows, you're like, wait, is her sister coming to murder her? Yeah, man. Like, you're thinking yes. about it with everything. Absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, and now, so the well-manicured man, as introduced by John Neville, with the menace that he, this sort of cosmopolitan, he's a very cosmopolitan menace. Mm. And I like that. There's something really cool about that because it's this sort of double-faced, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the cute smile with the shark teeth and, and, and you, you know, that, that cosmopolitan threat has a, has a special place in my heart because it's so, it puts you on the back foot. You're like, this is weird. It's not the creepy guy in the alleyway. That's a clear threat. This is so much different. And I like that. And, or even the mafioso, like, oh, it's the mafia. This guy seems like so kind, mm. but, but the way he's so casual, as you said about it is so interesting. And then, and then he delivers, right? Neville delivers. Now it's up to the showrunners to express to us through storytelling, which is visual. And of course, Jillian Anderson responding to these threats and in her facial expression to communicate her paranoia. Now it's up to the, like, in other words, you know, with the dumb sports analogies, Brady's put your head and the defense has to make a stop. Right. And that's what's happening here. You, you, now it's on you guys and they crush it, dude. They make you feel like you're saying, you go, what the fuck? Yeah. What is this? What's happening? <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah. Dude. And the if, sister, Mo, uh, everybody. You're like, Ugh, the phone rings, it clicks. You're like, oh, Jesus. And then when they're in, when, when Skinner drives up, at first you think the sister, the phone call, and then you're like, oh, okay, no, no, that was like genuine. And, sure. and Scully's concerned. Like she, she just wants to like get away from this environment. She's a, a worried that maybe somebody's coming after her. Maybe she's being paranoid. But then when Skinner just drives up, Dude. After that previous scene where like, he, she saw him walking out of her apartment and he fucking denied it. Yes. And then he's like, get in the car and you're like, get the fuck out. What? Yeah, dude. And talk about, I mean, we can't skip over. We're getting right to it. 
Talk about a climax. Talk about a cliffhanger. Unbelievable, dude. Scully and Skinner drawing down on each other? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yes. shit, man. Oh, and wait, we're not done there. We're going to have the assassin cry check. Shoot fucking Melissa. Yeah. Oops. And this is Whoops. some shit like, this is shit that Walking Dead overdid, right? Which is like, let's yes. let's make killing characters the thing that's interesting in a show. Well, sadly, it became its own sort of expectation. Like, who's going to die next? Right. But to yes. go from like a, a cliffhanger in a season where a key character's father gets killed. Like, Mulder's father gets killed by Krychek in Anazazi, the last episode of season two. Like, that's fucking huge. And we haven't even, like, addressed it. Like, we get this glimpse in on the funeral, but, like, Mulder's not even there. He hasn't dealt with it. He has no, like, he's in the goddamn green fucking space, floating through the stars with fucking <laughs> oak leaves on his chest. Getting all sweaty, getting the girls all hot. Like, he hasn't uh-huh. addressed this. Mm-hmm. And then immediately like missy missy scully is gonna get waxed by crycheck again wasted in a in a in a total botch job just a, a redhead botch. walk walking through the door like pow, gone yep wow it's awesome man there's a lot yeah and they, they pack a lot um into the last last 10 10 minutes of this episode that's you know that's one thing that is done very well in this in this episode from from a pacing standpoint because you talk about like season two is a cliffhanger but it wasn't it was a cliffhanger but really they don't treat it like one in a way because we immediately know that Mulder's not dead like the episode doesn't right. that's one thing we didn't even talk about which is nice they don't play like fuck fuck games about like correct no fuck fuck games like. M- the 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 pre credit sequence is Mulder being discovered alive by the sure. Navajo, but he's yep. just held separate. So that's not like a dumb like, oh, is he or is he not dead? Like <laughs> Scully yeah, doesn't dude. know, but like, yeah, he's alive. <laughs> so right. they kind of like you could look at it as they waste their their cliffhanger, but they don't. Nah, no, they put the weight on Scully as a character carrying that, and then building more and more into it. So it's like. Mulder's off convalescing, but now they build on Scully suspended. Scully's shit with her family. Scully's, she's dealing with the implant. She's suspicious of Skinner. You know, um, now now the syndicate's coming in. Now this guy's telling her somebody's coming after her. Now, you know, Skinner's coming after her, maybe. Then her sister's dead. Then they're drawing guns at each other. Like, what? <laughs> like, that yeah. builds and builds you know, and builds, and it's great. And it's kind you know, of like desc- a, a fake-out replace cliffhanger. And it's really cool. It's really well what, done. What you're describing is that things happen. <laughs> that is, in, in dude, take it from somebody uh, who covered a lot of TV that I got frustrated with. Things happening is important to the show. You're going to get setups once in a while, you know, and, and every show has it, even X-Files. But you got a season premiere and things happen. And that's important. It can't just be sort of nonsensical story building. It, you want things to happen. And that doesn't necessarily mean big death. Mm-hmm. It just means things are happening. And, and that's important. Consequences are occurring. One of the greatest parts about the Game of Thrones television show, and I screamed it in our coverage of the last season, which was one of the best parts of the show which is what Joaquin has started to get wrong, which, which, which is what exactly what you said it was. And you're, you're exactly right, which is this bullshit about who's going to die next. Here's why Game of Thrones worked so successfully. Because it was characters 
that were smart, that were, that were driven, were making decisions that were going to have consequences that didn't necessarily mean their own death. And those consequences were interesting. They were interesting. And sometimes they were pitted against each other. And that was interesting. And when people died, it was like, whoa, but it didn't become the gimmick, right? You yeah. don't want it to become the gimmick. And in this, that's what I mean. Things are happening. Melissa gets shot. I'm pretty sure she's dead, but I don't remember. To be perfectly frank, I don't remember. I think she's dead. I'm pretty sure she she is dead. Okay. Yeah. And and that's what I mean. That choices were made, decisions were 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 made, and (laughs) and and somebody's dead because of it. And it's a main character's sister. And that we might not be heartbroken over Melissa, but we're heartbroken for Scully because the show has done a good job of creating that relationship. And it's put a an A-lister right there to handle that that conflict that's going to arise, that emotional, that bereavement, so to speak. By the way, this is not important, but just a quick aside in the back of my head. They make the show now. They make Mulder have like a one or two season romance with Scully's sister to build off the tension of the fact that Scully and Mulder will eventually end up together. They kind of hint at it once in a previous season, like barely, like one moment um, in season two when uh, when Scully's in the coma and there's like a little moment between Melissa and 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 Mulder. But if they make this show now, they fucking milk that shit for all. If they work. make that show now, I'm putting on a red wig and I'm walking <laughs> into fucking Crychick's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of me. Yeah, I'm Mark. desperately. <laughs> listen, I am. I am desperately trying. I'm like the little <laughs> ship that's trying to escape the fucking crushing black hole. I don't even want to think about it. And I don't, I'm, I'm a little upset with you. <laughs> that this so- meme in my, I'm starting, I'm, I'm trying to not think, I'm talking nonsense. I'm just randomly speaking because as I speak, I'm not thinking. And I don't even want to think about it, but put the wig on me and send me in. <laughs> I don't want it. Walk me into that room. Just Joe Pesci me into that room. Ah, fuck. Yep. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I'm going to get made. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, man, blessing. That was Wait, good. What, do you have anything else to say before we uh, we wrap this sucker up Dude, and get to listener comments? Uh, I mean, we were, we kind of jumped around a lot. Is there anything you think we uh, we skipped over? Anything? And we, no, we didn't talk sure, much about no. Mulder, but I don't, ain't much to talk it's about. It's not necessary. I mean, the jokes and he, he's alive. Your uncle? My uncle? Your uncle Al? Albert Holstein? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Your people? Uh, Come on. Listen, white man, let's wrap them up ceremony. <laughs> I got to get to Target for 20% off. <laughs> <laughs> Just really kill the fucking mystique of the man by showing him in the checkout line at Target with a flannel and like fucking hand lotion. <laughs> He's got like a... <sighs> He's got like a make your own sand designs like the Navajo. <laughs> a fucking coloring book for his kid. It's like uh, one shit. of those like maybe you get those things like you can fill the sand in. It like makes a pattern on a glass around yeah, it. Yeah, man. You, like you cap it in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Like grandfather. I can dig that. Mm. I can dig it. Well, that's blessing way, baby. <laughs> that's it. Um. I got a couple comments I want to hit on. I got I got one I got to hit right away. Fire. Matt Conrad. <laughs> no. 
Culturally intensive and high. By the way, yeah. I'm sorry, before yeah. you read it. Go for it. Speaking of nicknames, this guy deserves one because he's one of our most consistent commenters. And uh, one of the, I mean, almost as creepy as you and I are. For sure. <laughs> right up there with us. But go ahead. Maddie on, Maddie on the spot. Maddie on the spot. There we go. Native American serial, <laughs> culturally insensitive and highly offensive out of context picture caption. Native American serial rapist, wanking bull, <laughs> prepares to mount up after slipping an unsuspecting white devil in ancient tribal sleeping remedy. <laughs> yeah, that was on the that's old Facebook fucking, uh, picture comment. That's, that's so good, man. Oh, excellent. Time to pay him back for all those years of death and rape. <laughs> <laughs> Say ah. Shit, man. Boy, this hospital pudding tastes weird. I got one from uh, Wesley Ruff. When season three premiered, X-Files was growing in popularity, and I threw a watch party. There were about a dozen people sitting in my living room. All of us were throwing out theories as to why Jerry Harden's name, that's Deep Throat, was mm. listed in the TV guide and how he had possibly survived. It was more of a... Dude, just think about that. Reading a TV guide and seeing who's in the episode. That's so gangster. That's a fucking different... That's a different OG. Time. Wesley OG Ruff. We're never going to remember these names. <laughs> OG it's, Ruff. It's, a, it's a coming upon all of you to remind <laughs> you, us of your nicknames that you're all getting. OG Ruff. It was more of a topic... <laughs> uh, um, how he possibly survived. It was more of a topic of conversation and a mystery to us that the deus ex machina we knew was going to be pulled from Mulder to survive. I read mm-hmm. it. We were so disappointed when Deep Throat was back only as a spirit guide. We collectively groaned when Melissa Scully first came on the screen, <laughs> cheered when she was shot, and wondered why the hell an assassin wouldn't use the silencer. The standoff no way. at the end left us eager for what would be one of my favorite episodes in the entire X-Files run, Paperclip. Damn. I was about to be judgmental about that, but then I realized that I cheered when um, when uh, a special needs kid got killed with rockets and Star and um, and uh, what's that Egyptian one? Star Stargate. Stargate. Yeah, we yeah. we also laughed got out loud in the theater. Re- review specifically for cheering when um, when oh. Dana Scully's mom gets killed. We were they were really mad that we hoped that fake lady got cancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were really mad about how we felt about the fake lady, which is a fucking mind yeah. bender. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, guys. That happened. Uh, can I pivot off of the deep throat comment over to Maja Ketunin? White Death? <laughs> White Death says, I would trust my life in the hands of Albert Hostein, especially if he'd send me to float out in space with a hot, sweaty, branch covered molar. Insert deep throat joke here. <laughs> Saucy. Nice. Saucy. That was fucking funny. Uh, I got, um, I want to do one more from Daniel Cotta. Daniel Cotta. Cotta. Watch the she's blessing. She's from the way. north. Is she from? <laughs> is she from over there? I, I just make up that she's from Northern England because that's how I say her last name. Oh. She's from like she's from Macclesfield. We're gonna say you're doing like the just outside of Mansfield, the, Macclesfield, the Northlands. Quota. She talks like she talks like um, John Snow in my mind, but but as a lady would, oh, you know. Yeah. She she's got the egret thing. Quota. Quota. Daniel Quota. Yeah. What? Instead of the instead of how they do in <laughs> London, they're more like Cutter. Cutter. Right, they're more cutter. She's more cutter. Cutter. Yeah. yeah. Blue collar lands. The, the north collar, of England is like ourself, I think. That's how I figure it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of an amalgamation of blue collar. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, she says, watch the blessing way. And man, when the mythology was good, it was really fucking good. The human hybrids, mm. the implants, the link to the Navajos and Albert Holstein. These are the backbones of the show's mythology. It was nice going back and seeing how the puzzle pieces are to fit together. And it was especially nice being reminded that once upon a time, it all made sense. Special <laughs> shout out to Dan- poor Dana Scully in this episode. Talk about having a shitty week. She's on, <laughs> she's on unpaid administrative leave while a bunch of assholes in suits decide her future. Her partner is missing and presumed dead. Her sister was murdered by bumbling henchmen, and she got into Mexican standoff with her boss. Someone get her a margarita immediately. Outstanding. Nice. Uh, I'm good, man. That was awesome. Great participation. Awesome. Awesome. Open to the premiere. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a strong like. Strong like. I think that what keeps it from being a love is. It's in the middle of a two-parter. It's going to yeah. be, it's, it's the odds are stacked it's, against it. It's the it. middle of a three-parter, really. Oh, right, right. Yeah. What am I saying? It's the middle yeah. of a three-parter and the, yeah, it's hard to get away from the goofiness of like the fucking, the, it's not the, honestly, it's not just the, it's not even the Navajo bad. stuff. It's, it's the fucking star, like the star. That's, mo- star that's what it is. It's the visual representation. <laughs> <laughs> Like oh, there's shit. too many ghosts talking to Mulder. Like for one sure, of them, for sure. One of them, sure. <laughs> like kind of appearing like out of the you know in the tent with the heat and the smoke as he's sitting there like you know on on the verge of death. But like when you do like two or three in a row when you're out in like fucking Starville with your pine. they just talk too much too. It's 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 a little the dialogues. Mm. It's not great. Yeah. Although I, I found myself more impressed with William Mulder's delivery in that moment than I did with what's his name's and I and I love Deep Throat. The the guy. Yeah. Well Yeah. They, they But anyway, it doesn't matter. They both deserve they both deserve that's the bummer of it, is they both definitely deserve their little uh comebacks. Sure. Sure, sure. Um yeah, g- good point from in the chat. Uh Miss Miss Cota her, herself says uh the app is a like, but the scully stuff gets a love. Ooh, I like that. I think that's a good way to say it. I like um, that. And but man, man, I'm just psyched to come back into into season three to to kick us off with this. I'm really excited to talk about paperclip. Um, I'm psyched for our new little show dressing, our yeah. intro and outro. Getting very fancy around here. <laughs> oh, you better watch your asses. Watch your fucking asses. Yeah, <laughs> with our vast international <laughs> audience of Finns Indeed. and Brits. Watch out, That's motherfuckers. Right. Coming to get you. Coming to get you. All right, Shell, what do you say? We call it? I think so. All right, we'll tell them goodbye, and uh, as we're on Mixler, we'll give them a little music on the way out. <laughs> Murder? Oh, my, yes. You've been listening to The X-Files Podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net.